Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Amen. Well, we're glad you're here today. It's good to have my mom and dad here. If you didn't see this, they're on this uh, second row right here, and we're glad that they're here all the way from Tyler, Texas. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe I won't say anything to get me in trouble today, but don't bet on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, at some point you just, you just go on anyway, but uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to continue our series on marked. Uh, last week, we, we, man, I believe that God is calling us to something. You've been marked for a purpose and that God has called you for a purpose. But this week, I want to talk a little about something a little different. I want to talk about having ridiculous faith. I just think if you're going to be marked by God, there is a time where you're going to just have to have ridiculous, outstanding, fearless kind of faith that causes you to stand out from amongst the crowd. And so that's what we're talking about. And so being marked... Uh, and making the decision to follow after uh, Christ doesn't mean you're going to have always an easy, happy-go uh, life without any hardships. We got this idea that if life's hard, just follow Jesus. He'll make it better. And, and don't get me wrong, following after Jesus will save you from some hardships. In fact, most of the things that you read that, that, that people call all these rules and regulations, which as you follow Jesus, you find out it's not as many as you thought it was, uh, but all the rules are really for our protection. They're there to protect us. They're not for our, uh, to hinder us. They're not for our hardship. They're really for our protection and, and to stop us from getting in trouble. So following after Jesus will lead us down a path that will protect us, but it also means it could bring on a whole new avenue of hardships for us. And so we find that when Jesus talks to the disciples, that's exactly what he dealt with. In fact, uh, Jesus never equates following him with pain-free or problem-free living. That's magic. And we don't serve a magician. <laughs> we serve a savior. And I think so many times we get to this idea that what we really want is uh, a magician. We want someone that, that when everything comes on, poof, they just do something and it goes away. In fact, we would like scriptures to be kind of like that. You know, you just quote a few scriptures. If you quote this scripture, this will take care of this problem. If you quote this scripture, it takes care of this problem. And we want to treat it all like magic and not what it is. Sometimes we forget that he's the God of the universe, and we're not. <laughs> and so when we enter into these things, uh, magic, pain-free, problem-free is not Jesus. Anyone who offers you a formula of a pain-free living, uh, even if they use Jesus in the middle of it, uh, again, that's not Jesus, that's magic. So Jesus didn't come to be your magician. Following Jesus uh, will help you to avoid some things, but not everything. So in Matthew chapter 10, we dive right in here, and Jesus calls the 12 and gives them some instruction on what they're about to go through and how to process and proceed when things come to them. And so he warns them. And so what he warns them of, we don't usually have to worry about because we're in 2021 in America and, and we are the land of the free. But there are some things we can draw and pull from these scriptures that he's warning them from. And so uh, let's find the principles buried in this warning. In Matthew chapter 10, let's begin about verse 16. He says, look, I'm sending you out among wolves, or sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, 
for you will be handed over to the courts and be flogged with whips in the synagogues. Huh? <laughs> I think that's my reaction. Hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm about to send you guys out of sheep because you know, you're my sheep. I'm the shepherd. I'm going to send you guys out of sheep among wolves, and this is what we're going to do. And, and as I do, you're going to be uh, flogged and whipped in the synagogues. Have fun. Wait, whoa, 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 roll that back. You ever had that moment? We have this in staff meeting, uh, and I'm not going to pick on any one staff member, but I will tell you we have moments in staff meeting where we'll be right here, and we start talking about everything that's coming up, and they hear that problem, and they're like, uh. hey, are you listening? Wait, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Can we just go back to this problem where you said we're going to be whipped and flogged again? I, I hadn't got past that. <laughs> we're, we're three lines down in the agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't even know what you said with all that stuff. Can we just get back to what you said, whipped and flogged? I'm not, I didn't sign up for that. And when I looked at my job description, I don't remember you saying whipped and flogged in the job description. And that's usually what I tell them. You know that part that says anything the pastor says? <laughs> that's where that's at. <laughs> and so they, they, it, it just, you, get, you have these moments where you just, get caught off guard. It throws you back. And I can only imagine what the disciples are thinking as he said, you're going to be flogged and whipped in the synagogues. And then verse 18, he says, you're going to stay in trial before the governors and the kings because you're my followers. But <laughs> this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers uh, and the unbelievers about me. Awesome. <laughs> and then he goes on and says, when you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond, what to say. Don't worry about how to worry about, don't worry about what to say. I'm not worried about what I'm going to say. I'm worried that I'm going to be arrested, whipped, and flogged. That's what I'm worried about. Maybe we, maybe we worry about different things. You know? You ever have somebody that nothing bothers them and everything, everybody bothers them? I don't know about you, but this doesn't sound like something that most people think. I'm going to go to church so that I can learn to be whipped and flogged. And don't worry about what to say when you're whipped and flogged. Don't worry about what to say when I'm whipped and flogged. I'm just going to try not to cuss. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of where we're going through. We're going through these things. We're thinking, I don't want to say anything bad. I want to be a good example. I want to be a, a, a good moral character. I want to do what Christ wants me to do. But I didn't sign up for all this. I don't really understand. And then it says, he goes on and says, God will give you the right words to say at the right time. I don't want the right words. I want the get out of jail free card. <laughs> That's what I want. Verse 20 says, For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And again, can we just pause right? If, if God's going to get involved, can't He just help us avoid all of this? If God's going to be involved in the process, and God's going to give me the words to speak, and God's going to be speaking through me, can He just make this all go away? See, I think this is right where we are. We are, have just went through a very uh, difficult year. I can't say it's the, the most difficult that the United States has ever faced. But it was a difficult year for many Americans. It was a difficult year for the church. It was a difficult year for individuals. It was difficult years for, uh, for, for different reasons for everybody. But everybody in here has their situation that happened that made it difficult. And some of us, best year of our lives. 
I won't say that that's the highest number in the room, but there are those that had a great time. This, they got to spend more time with their family. This is stuff they've been praying for. They've been praying that their family would be together. They all got to spend more time together, and it was great. That's awesome. But for a lot of us, we're going through this, and we're going through these trials, and we're going through these situations. We see so many people hurting, even if it's not us physically. We see so many families hurting, and we're like, God, if you're really God over everything, can't you just make this all go away? I mean, I've been t- I just know, I mean, we just pray. We say, you know, Lord, touch over the top of their head and the soles of their feet. And Lord, if you just speak over their body, they'll be healed and they'll go away. And that sounds really great. So, so in reality, if you spoke the world's in existence, if you can speak healing in existence, can't you just say, virus go, <laughs> and it go? Can't you just speak to a pandemic and say, go? Can't you speak to my job situation and say, be fixed? Can't you speak to the cancer that I'm facing right now and just say, cancer, go? Can't you speak to the disease, the situations, that all the drama that's going on in my life that I'm praying about? Can't you just say that word and make it go away? Because I don't want to know words to speak. I don't want to know this. What I really want is for it to all go away so that we can live the life that I was hoping for my family. Here's the issue. You've been marked for so much more. God has marked your life to be a witness to this world. And people are going to know you're his disciples because of the way you respond during difficult situations, not in spite of and in being able to avoid difficult situations. No, nobody's character is ever proven through easy times. You know, we sing the songs, and we say it's good, and we kind of helps us get it through it, that the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. The God of the good times is still God in the bad. We sing these songs. We understand these songs for us. But what we really want is let the God be the God of the good times and build a bridge over the bad times. Let us always see the beauty of the mountain and never the difficulties of the valley. Let us always go through the great times and never the hard times. You know, the mountain's pretty, but nothing grows on top of the mountain. Growth happens in the valley of trials and tribulations. That's when you get roots. Verse 21, it says, A brother will betray his brother to death, and a father betray his own child will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all the nations will hate you because you're my followers. You didn't tell us that in the introduction. In fact, Pastor Brian, that wasn't in growth track. When I went through growth track, I'm pretty sure you never said nobody, everybody's going to hate us. <laughs> That's all we share in the beginning. You know, we're not ready for that. He goes on in verse 22, it says, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. People are not going to like you. People are, people are going to betray you. People are going to turn their backs on you. People are going to hate you because you're a follower of Jesus. This is what he's telling his disciples. And we live in a different world, and I get it. And, 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 and we live in the United States, which is different than other parts of the world, where they really do hate and persecute and put Christians to death. We live in a different place. So it's always amazing to me how difficult times throw us so off kilter when we don't even compare to the Christians of the Bible or Christians in other parts of the world that are really struggling through difficult times. 
So what do you do when these things happen? Jesus goes out of his way. In fact, uh, Jesus goes on with the same kind of thinking throughout the next few verses. Uh, and then in verse 28, he says this. In verse 28 of chapter 10, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You just told me my world's about to come crashing down and that everybody's going to betray one another. Everybody's going to hate me. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be arrested. And you're saying, don't be afraid. You just told us everything's going to happen to us and everyone's going to hate us and beat us. And don't be afraid. I don't think you really understand. Could, did you hear what you just told me? Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both, both soul and body in hell. He says this, he says, you don't have to be afraid, but rather fear the God over everything else. If you have a respect, a fear for God that is greater than the fear that's coming against you, you won't be afraid. In fact, you will have a faith in a God that overwhelms your fear. He says in verse 29, what is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it, and the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So in summary, he says this, bad things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen to all of you guys. In fact, bad things are going to happen as believers. You're going to have these things follow you, and bad things are going to happen. But don't be afraid, because God's already got it all worked out. If you've been facing one of the most difficult seasons in your life, listen, it's okay to acknowledge you're in a difficult season, but you don't have to be afraid. Trust God. Have a fear that is greater I mean, have a, sorry, don't do that. <laughs> Woo! Have a faith that's greater than your fear. Have a faith in God that's so great that when fear comes, you're not afraid. I, 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 there's just something about understanding the greatness of God and how he's going to work it all out. See, the message of Jesus was not, don't be afraid, because I won't let bad things happen to you. The message of Jesus is, don't be afraid when bad things happen to you. Because bad things are going to happen. We are not going to avoid what's inevitable to happen. Situations are going to come away. Problems are going to come our way. Frustrations are going to come our way. People are going to let you down. People are going to say things and it's going to get back to you that you thought were close to you and you thought were your friends and it's going to come back to you and you're like, I thought we were friends and it hurts so much more because I thought we were close. People who are close to you are going to leave you. It's inevitable. Things are going to happen. People that you thought were over at your house playing cards with you, playing dominoes with you and you were having a great time, one day may not be your friend and you're going to have to face the reality that you're not as close as you thought you were. Here's what I want you to write down. God's desire is for us to have a ridiculous faith that overwhelms our fear. He wants you to have a ridiculous faith that is so ridiculous that when fear comes, 
faith stands up to it and says it doesn't even compare. You see, faith is that is so big, so deeply rooted in the Father's love for you that you will no longer fear or be a dry, or, or allow fear to be a driver in your life. You will no longer allow fear to overtake you because God's love overtaking you so much that none of these things matter. Ridiculous faith replaces worry with peace. When I trust God so much with so much greatness and I, and I have such a great faith in God, I don't have to worry about what comes my way. I don't have to worry what people say, what problems come, because my worry is immediately established and taken over me with peace. You ever know people like that? That when the greatest problems of their life come and face them, they just walk in peace and you're just like, you should be stressed out. You should be freaking out. You've just lost everything. But they didn't. Because their faith in God is overtaken and everything's going to be all right. They just trust the Father no matter what. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mountain in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, he says, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Who worries about these things? Who worries about the things that says what you should eat, what you should drink? Who worries about that? Unbelievers. So why are we worried about it? Is it, tr is it possible that even though we're a believer in Christ, we've lost a little bit of faith and trust him, and so it's caused us to have doubt? Mark chapter 4, they are crossing the Sea of Galilee, and the storm blows up, and Jesus, of, of course, is just asleep on the boat, which is one of my favorite stories. Um, when problems comes, he's sleeping. <laughs> and you're like, don't you even care? Of course he cares. He knew the storm was coming. And in Mark chapter, 40, uh, chapter 4, verse 40, he says, then they ask him, why, uh, about the, uh, they ask him about the storm, and in verse 40, he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He just got through on the Sermon Mountain. Why do you have little faith? And then he goes on to Mark chapter, 40, uh, chapter 4, verse 40. He says, why are you still afraid? They were terrified. In fact, they were terrified. They, they, they saw the storms overwhelming the boat, and they said, how are we going to get through this? They were terrified. And Jesus is like, have you still not learned the lesson? See, before he leaves, before he left them, he had one thing he wanted to install them, and that is faith that is greater than fear. Because he knew when he left that they were going to make it. They were going to have to overcome the fear that was going to be standing before them day after day after day after day. The reality is they were going to be crucified. They were going to be whipped. They were going to be stoned. They were going to be boiled in oil. They were going to go through some of the most difficult situations that any group of people should ever go through. And he wanted to constantly instill in them and give them opportunities to build their faith in him that would overwhelm the fear that was going to be in front of them day after day. What do you think God wants to do for us? He is allowing things to come in our pathway to build up our faith, to overwhelm the fear that is constantly staring us right in the face day after day after day. He just is. There is nothing in front of you that God has told you or asked you to do that he's not going to give you the ability to accomplish. 
But if you look at all the problems, you look at all the negativity, you look at all the bad things around you, you will implode. There has got to be a place where you stand up and have just ridiculous faith that says, I am standing on the precepts, the principles of God, and I'm going to believe in what his word says, and I'm not going to waver, I'm not going to fall, I'm going to believe what he's got. If if he started this work in me, he's going to be faithful to complete it. I'm praying for that. This next weekend, when these young uh, uh, students, men and women, go to this retreat, I'm praying that God would intervene in their life. Listen, there is a lot of things that cause fear, like the fear of their job, the fear of their future. What's the economy going to be like when they graduate high school? What's going to happen when they finally go back to school, when everybody's been kind of doing their own thing? There is a lot of anxiety built up in this group. But I'm praying that through this weekend, God will build up a faith in these students and these teenagers that will overcome the fear that's going to be right in front of them day after day after day after day after day. And I'm praying that he'll also do that in some parents because there's some parents in here that you don't know what it's going to be like. And you're not only afraid for yourself, you're afraid for your kids. You're afraid for what it's going to be like for them. But I'm praying again that God will build up in you a faith that every time when you have the opportunity to fear that's standing right in front of you, you will have faith that overwhelms that fear day after day after day after day because that is what Christ wants to instill in you. It, ridiculous faith honors God. That's what it does. In fact, I, I missed one part, but let me just go back and say it. What if the faith in God, what if your faith in God was greater than the fear right in front of you? See, ridiculous faith honors God. It honors God when we trust in what he has promised us to do over what we see right in front of us. I'm trusting his word over what I see. Listen, when God speaks, do you know the facts don't matter? There was a woman that was all caught up with a blood issue. She had had a blood issue for so many years, she had tried all the physicians, tried all the doctors, and just about given up. And then she heard about Jesus coming through. And she heard that if she, could, she, if she would just be in his presence, she, in fact, she thought to herself, she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'd be made whole. So she made her way through the crowd. She pushed people to the side until the point where she eventually, when everybody was flogging around Jesus, she gripped the hem of his garment and immediately she became whole. Why? Because when faith speaks, facts don't matter. There was a blind man sitting by the wayside just begging and he had no hope. He was just a beggar. But somebody said Jesus was passing through. And as Jesus was passing through, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to be quiet, but he wouldn't shut up. He got even louder. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he got even louder until it took Jesus, and he said, let him come to me. And all of a sudden, Jesus healed him, and his eyes were open. Why? Because when faith speaks, facts don't matter. In two weeks, we're going to be celebrating, or three weeks rather, we're going to be celebrating Easter. There was a time when the enemy had thought he'd already won. He'd already crucified him and put him in a grave and said, I've won this one and it's all sealed and done. But on that third day, something began to happen. A trembling began to happen and he exploded through that grave and rose again for our sins. Why? Because when faith speaks, facts don't matter. 
when you are facing whatever you're facing today, I want you to know, don't look at the facts. Look at your faith. Trust God. Ridiculous faith that when everybody else says give up, they don't understand why you haven't given up. When everybody else says stop believing, they don't understand why you haven't stopped believing because you have every opportunity to have quit. But you said, I'm not giving up because I'm trusting his word over what I'm seeing right now in front of me. Walking in faith means doing what you would do if you were confident that God is with you. It means walking in faith. I'll just give you a chance to take that down before I move on. It means walking in faith means means doing what you would do if you were confident that God was with you. Last thing, ridiculous faith frees us to love. When you have ridiculous faith, as, as fear decreases, the ability to love increases. When I'm no longer afraid, I can love people. I am ready for it. As, as this pandemic ends and as things clear up, you know what? I am realizing that I am more of a hugger than I ever knew before. So is Sandra. And we're ready to hug some people. In fact, I, I think it's going to be awkward because we're so used to not being hugged. When people that aren't in our household begin to hug us, we're going to all have this tendency to run. But I may chase you down. <laughs> because when fear decreases, faith increases. And love increases. And my love for you guys have not, has not decreased. I love you guys, and I believe God has great things in store for each of you. And though it's been a hard season for many of you, don't give up. Don't get distressed. Don't get overwhelmed. Trust God to the very end. Know that he's going to be with you till you make it. Just keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep doing whatever he's asked you to do until the end. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels or casts out all fear. That's what it does. Perfect love casts out, expels fear. You can't love your enemies and fear them or fear uh, the consequences of loving them at the same time. You can't forgive those who have hurt you and fear those uh, with the consequences of forgiving them at the same time. Only ridiculous faith and a sovereign God empowers a person to do that. Let me close with just this. Have you ever met anybody that just, no matter what happens, they say, I'm just trusting God to see me through? They're not stressed. They're not worried. They say, I just believe that God is going to use this for his glory and to work for his good. He's going to turn it to his good. I'm just trusting for it. Uh, God is in control, and it, didn't, it took me by surprise, but it sure didn't take him by surprise. So I'm just trusting that God's going to see this through. Have you ever met some people like that? Don't you find yourself wanting to be like that? Don't you find yourself, imagine how liberating it would be if you just trusted God the way they do. Because if God is in control, I'm not afraid. The Apostle Paul had this ridiculous faith, uh, and he never actually had an encounter with Jesus except for the one on Damascus. And 25 years or so after Jesus, Paul writes something that paints a bullseye on what we're talking about today. And it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, and we know, and we know. We have confidence. We know. We don't think. We don't hope. We know. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good, for those who love God 
and are called according to his purposes for them. It may not look nor feel like it's for your good, but it is. Don't get hung up in the problem area. Don't be the person on the sideline that all you heard is all the problems going by and you just sit here and think, I didn't sign up for this. Be the person that listens to the end and understands that in spite of all this, God's got a purpose. That God's got a plan. And I'm going to fear not. I'm going to fear not because he is with me. He's going to see me through this. He's going to see me through this next season. I'm telling you, everything we're leading towards right now in these sermons, we're leading to the cross come Easter. And I'm praying once and for all, we're going to see God deliver people and set people free and homes free. This is for your good. But you have to fear not. You can't get caught up in the fear. I'm going to ask everybody to stand as I do every week. And these altars are open as though they are every week. But if you just want to pray where you are, I just want you to stand to have that opportunity to do so. If you're in this place and you've been struggling with fear, you've been struggling with fear that has been overwhelming you. Maybe you heard that cancer word from your doctor and you don't know how to overcome it. You can't shake it. Maybe you heard you're going to be dealing with lifelong diabetes, Crohn's disease, fibromyalgia, and you don't know how to shake it. You say, this just isn't fair. I've done everything right. I've done everything I'm supposed to. This isn't right. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by bills. Maybe it's not sickness. Maybe you're just financially, you just can't handle it. You don't know what you're going to do. And you're like, God, I've, I've tried to do everything right. I've tried. In fact, I've paid my tithes. I've, uh, I've tried to live according to your word. And God, it just seems like I can never get ahead. It's never fair. It's not fair when I see other people getting ahead. And I know they're not living right, spending right, or doing right. It's not fair. I've given missions pledges to BGMC and Light for the Lost and Speed the, uh, uh, Speed the Light. And I've done all these things for missionaries and I believe this. And, and, and I still can't get ahead. just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Some of us, are, you're like this. We've talked about this before. Some of you are like, I've given my life to ministry. I've served in Sunday school, life groups, served in kids programs and youth programs and discipleship programs, men's ministry, women's ministry, and yet my own family's falling apart. How's this fair? I've sold my entire life into other people's kids and other people's families, and my own is falling apart. This isn't fair. This isn't right. God, I need to step in. And God, I would do anything to end the pain right now that I feel of the loss and the break and the, and, and the fracture that I feel in my family. God, what would you do to intervene? Here's what I'm asking you to do. No matter where you are, where you fall today, if you are struggling, I want you to begin to put your faith in God. You know what the, tr the sad thing is, the hard thing is? Nothing's going to change right now. But something's going to start to change in you. And as that faith grows... Your hope's going to grow. As that faith grows, that love's going to grow. And as that love grows, that fear 
of everything that you're facing and being overwhelmed, the anxiety of life that makes your heart beat so fast that you don't know what you're going to (laughs) do, it's going to dissipate because perfect love cast out, expels all fear. So make an altar where you are, at the old-fashioned altar or at your seat or whether you're standing. But as this worship worship team comes, I want you to give it to God. Because every one of us who've ever been where you are, this is where we started. Every one of us. And then the worship team will dismiss you just shortly. Thank you.